Welcome to another episode of Bullet Points, the podcast all about shooting games. I'm your host, Edward Smith. I'm joined as ever by co-host number one, Reed McCarter. I'm number one. Hear that, Patrick? Patrick? I'm ignoring you. Hey, Patrick. I'm ignoring you. <laughs> hey, Patrick, did you hear? Nope, I didn't. I'm number one. I was the youngest sibling, so this is the kind of validation I've been waiting for my entire life. Well, if that's the case, then I can't very well rob you of that. Oh, that's very, that's very grown up of you, Patrick. That other voice is uh, co-host number two, Patrick Lindsay. Hi. There we go. I was a middle child, so I've got no excuse uh, for just anything. I was the youngest. Now look at me. I'm, I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> I've reached yeah. the top of the pile. You're the big um, brother of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I host the, a podcast which I co-founded <laughs> and muscled my way to the position of host. Um, speaking of muscling your way <laughs> into things, uh, the game we're looking <laughs> at this week <laughs> involves yeah, it's a it's a five out of ten segue. The game we're looking at this week involves a lot of muscling through people using melee combat and melee weapons, which is unusual because it's a first-person game which also contains guns. We are looking at the 2005 horror game Condemned Criminal Origins by Monolith Productions. Now, spooky. this spooky dooky. This was intended to launch our month of scary Halloween games, but I have neglected to do a creepy DP Halloween intro. So I will save that for the next episode, our next Halloween October episode. For now, you just have to make do with this rather lackluster beginning. Uh, so, Condemned Criminal Origins. Not Condemned to Bloodshot, which uh, came out ooh, four years later? Sure. I was going to say, like, Condemned Criminal Origins might just, despite the game itself, the name might be one of the worst names for a game I've ever heard. Until you told me that the title of the sequel was Condemned to Bloodshot. I, I like, still, I still don't think anyone's top snakey. Yeah, that that's a that's a hard one to come. That's a hard one. <laughs> that's a, that's a that one's rough. Yeah. Although if you if you remember that the the full title of Fear, which is another monolith game, which we've discussed on this show, oh, yeah. the full title of Fear, it's it's Fear colon uh, first encounter assault recon. You yeah, know, they give, you, that's they give right. you the full acronym, which is awful. You know, there's some kind of poor intern who every time that they were like filling out distribution paperwork had to write down you know fifty thousand copies of first encounter assault recon. Um, yeah, that's yeah. no good. Anyway, yeah, Condemned uh, is a good game. So, thanks for listening. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Condemned is a good game. You play a uh, detective called Ethan... Can anyone give me a surname? Ethan Thomas. Ethan Thomas, thank you. You play Ethan Thomas, who is uh, on the trail of a serial killer called Serial Killer X, whose (laughs) modus operandi is murdering... Uh, other serial killers, usually in the style that these serial killers were murdering their own victims. Uh, it's set in, I think it's a kind of unnamed, anonymous American city, as I recall. It's New York. Is it? Is it New York in quotation marks? I mean, in as much as every major metropolitan area is New York, unless otherwise explicitly stated. Yeah, it's okay. Like, so it's, it's like a 1980s New York kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's a it's a very rundown uh, kind of dystopian urban nightmare 
New York. If you think of the New York of maybe films like The Warriors or um, maybe even something like Escape from New York, you know, it's a, everything's kind of wet and rusted and dark and bleak. Uh, I think it owes a lot to the film Seven, which it emulates very directly in as much as the title sequence of Condemned is uh, verbatim the title sequence from Seven. Um, and yes, the game has a very grimy and grungy and dirty, sort of wretched aesthetic. Um, I mean, like Max Payne, actually, now that I think about it. I, yeah, that's that's true. It isn't unlike Max Payne. Max Payne is all kind of New York at night, and you know, you're in brothels and tenements and run-down old hotels. Uh, I think Condemned sort of pushes it to 11. You know, it's it's like a hell. It's almost kind of unreal. It's like nightmarish. Well, do you, um, ever, see, uh, do you ever see the movie Candyman? I think it was from some point in the 90s. I actually haven't. I know of it very well, but I, I've never seen it can't remember who directed it but it takes place in richard oh, candyman i believe directed it the Candyman, john Candyman, john can. candyman uh, i think it takes place in it might be detroit but it has a similar very similar vibe to uh to condemned i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if they uh looked at that for some inspiration too kind of takes place yeah. in uh, a rundown inner city neighborhood where everything is kind of menacing uh, it's just apartment blocks and you know abandoned buildings and so forth, but it's all kind of you know peeling paint chips and you know crumbling walls, all in disrepair. Well, this is I think the biggest talking point around the game, and I I'm probably um, being a little bit cavalier, jumping us into it right from the off, but I I think it's a it's the most interesting. It's something that I was chatting with Patrick about before we started recording. Um, is condemns depiction and, and treatment of um, sort of lower class, you know, urban neighborhoods. Um, because especially in, in the second game, uh, the, the opening kind of half of that game, it's it's sends you into these dilapidated areas of the city and you're being attacked by... Uh, in fact, no, you have them in the first game. You have them in the first game. They're, they're emaciated, thin, yeah. shrieking figures who are quote unquote drug drug addicts? You know that's yeah. that's their sort of that's what's dangerous about them. They're not zombies or werewolves or vampires. They're drug addicts, and they're going to jump on you and go la, 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 and try and kill you. Um, and the game has this very kind of like sledgehammer approach to uh, you know urban ills. Uh, if it's a if it's a rundown often involving a literal sledgehammer, by the way. Very true. If it's an urban neighborhood, it's it's not just kind of a bit bad it's it's a nightmare place it's a hellhole and it's full of people that are meant to be people but are basically monsters you know they've got wild eyes and their yeah. teeth are kind of all um you know criminals in this game the impoverished are monsters they're literally being driven insane by something there's something like in the air you find out what it is in the second game but in in the first game you're never quite sure but something is driving the people in poor neighborhoods of this city criminally insane and you have to go in there and sort of smash them up and find out what's going on um, so I'm going to throw first to Patrick on this because we were discussing it before we started recording. Patrick, what do you think? Do you think that it's uh, a little bit kind of uh, immodest and sort of uh, brash or do you not mind it so much because Condemned is so pulpy? I mean, I think the word that I used when we were talking earlier was lazy. Um, mm. And I think that is very true. I don't think it's by any means... Uh, a level of tone deafness like what we would see in like a battlefield hardline for example um 
but in, in that it doesn't really ruin my ability to play and enjoy the game. I think that it is very much, in that sense, a product of its time. You, know, you have a game that was made when you generic video game enemies were exactly like this. Um, and I think the fact that they don't ever really explain what's going on and they just kind of leave it as a throwaway other drug addicts. In fact, I think very early on in the game, you get a, a phone call from your lab tech and she says, be careful, there are lots of drug addicts around and they come in a lot of types, but mostly they're all just violent. So be careful because they're, they're, they're going to get you. And that's, I mean, I, I think that was intended to be their justification for who these people are that you're fighting, mm-hmm. which is very worrying from a, a writing perspective. Yeah. I, I, remi- sorry, Reed, carry on. I was going to say, I, I agree with Patrick. I, um, had a note on this too, uh, about sort of how they, the enemies are good from, from a design perspective, a, a basic, they're frightening because they're kind of unpredictable and they're human. So you feel bad when you kill them. I think you're supposed to feel kind of sick. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about how, you know, in your face, the violence in this game is, which I think is one of its strong suits. Um, but yeah, it's really, uh, it's really distasteful, especially I think a lot of people who live in, in bigger cities and, you know, you, I think encounter a lot more, you see, uh, homeless people, you see drug addicts and, you know, and especially if you have friends or family members who are in that situation, it's like, I don't know. It's just so rough that some people see someone who is on the street and they are frightened of them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. Well, they think don't even really of... attempt to. They don't even really attempt to make them sympathetic. They're just. They are completely. Other. Yeah, and I think the game could get away with it more if it. It's. I think it's torn at the beginning with not wanting to give you too much. You know, sci-fi. Uh, you know, in the second game, like Ed said, it does lay it pretty bare exactly what's going on with this you know, weird frequency and these dying birds that are around these places where, where I hate even saying it, where the homeless have like gone crazy and <laughs> and are attacking people uh, and the drug addicts. But um, I think the game is hesitant to give you too much of that right away because they want it to be a big mystery and they yeah they don't want it to seem too too silly right off the bat, but. Mm. They kind of need to, because it's it's pretty rough being like, well, I'm in this abandoned tenement, and any other person I see is muttering to themselves and holding a baseball, or not a baseball bat, but like a piece of pipe, and they're getting ready to run out and bludgeon the character to death. It's mm. just, you can see why they did it the way they did it, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's just part of that that trend where I think it was okay for a long time to uh, to depict the homeless and drug addicts and mentally ill as, as just dangerous, you know? And, yeah, I think it's actually a I pretty think, serious problem. I think Max Payne, I've got a few things to say on this, I think Max Payne is an interesting comparison, because if you remember in Max Payne, you find those guys who are meant to be you know, mm-hmm. high on Valkyr, the, the, the drug that Max Payne is chasing, and they just sit there kind of going, and they'd actually attack you unless you attack them. 
which is a kind of vaguely more sympathetic, you know, uh, portrayal of, of the sort of downtrodden in this downtrodden city. Um, now, Reed, you said something there about the violence of condemned, you know, when th these are people, when you kill them, you kind of go, ooh, because the, the, the violence in this game is very sort of hands-on, you know, you're hitting people with things and they snap, you know, the weapons like really sort of clack off them. Yeah. And uh, there's a really great sense of like injury being inflicted. And I think that they do a really good job of framing that because the opening uh, scene in Condemned is you kind of picking over a crime scene and looking, you know, in detail at all of these injuries on this body, you know, you sort of know that, oh, they're lacerated or, you know, or she's got blunt force trauma. And this is before you've actually picked up a weapon. So the game is sort of framing what you're about to do before you've done it as, you know, you don't just like hit someone in this game and they lose a bit of HP. You've seen firsthand that when you hit someone, it, it fucking like knocks their skull open. You know, it's, mm. you, you, you see the, the, effects of violence before you actually commit any which i think is uh, and you see them in detail you know it's not just like a dead body that you go oh my god this guy's dead you know they they crawl over it for like 10 minutes um i think that's a really smart way and a kind of uh very sort of sophisticated and, and humanistic i guess way of framing the violence and condemned but reed and patrick as you were saying like on the flip side uh they're like crawling out of the walls and they run at you screaming and they're like monstrous and um have you seen Assault on Precinct 13, the John Carpenter movie? No, no, I still haven't um, seen that. It's not very good. I, I, I don't like it very much. And that has these scenes where, you know, the, the premise of the film is that these like three or four people have barricaded themselves inside this police station because the gangs are out tonight and they're, you know, they're, they're looking for sort of uh, rich people to kill. <laughs> and there's, there's all these shots of them sort of coming in through the windows. And it's like Night of the Living Dead, you know, it's like a zombie movie but with, you know, uh, these young kids from gangs. And Condemned is, is that quite a lot of the time. And it is, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, sort of justify it, to kind of let, to square yourself with it. Now, the last point I'll make is that in the first game, you're playing a police officer, you know, with like a crew cut and clean shaven. And, you know, there's that, that sort of very clear sense of punching down because you're this guy who's got a job and, you know, he's quite well dressed. In the second game, it's like they kind of had this epiphany themselves because in the second game, uh, Ethan Thomas has either quit or been fired from from the FBI or whatever. Yeah. And and he's got a beard now and he's all long haired and he's a drunk and he's like an alcoholic <laughs> as well. And it's as if somebody kind of said, you know, in that first game, it was a little bit iffy because you were this, you know, moneyed guy beating up all these poor people. Okay, let's make our character, uh, you know, a crazy homeless guy as well. Um, so I think that even the even the people making uh, Monolith recognised that the first Condemned game has these issues, definitely. Yeah, I remember that too. And that does go some way toward it. I mean, you can't tell the story that this game wants to tell, though. It wants to be... I think he's actually FBI, isn't he? Or is he a police yeah, he officer? Yeah, he is. He's FBI. Yeah. But, like, you can't, you can't he... tell this kind of... Uh, you know, thriller, really dark horror thriller kind of story about serial killers and everything. If the guy is just, well, you could actually, it would just be a completely different story if, if he was sort of down and out, uh, and a civilian, you know, in the, in the first mm. one. Mm. Um, you couldn't. And I, but I think that they still, 
they still go some way towards it in the first game because although you are, you know, the the government uh, and you know by osmosis you're the you belong to the organization that's kind of put these people here in a way you know you you are the man right. um you're still kind of i think in a lot of instances in condemned reduced to their terms you know you don't have a gun very much in condemned you're fighting on the same on the same terms as they are you know you're you're using these improvised weapons pipes and sticks and whatever mm-hmm. and the game descends into it's not like a kind of police on criminals yeah yeah uh, shootout it's like a fucking brawl you know it's 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 really sort of tooth and nail well and um, that ethan is also you know after the first level he's running from the fbi too because you know, right yes he's early, early yeah yeah early on he uh is sort of framed for having shot two officers right yeah, yeah. that's right yeah so and they they are have they time are... to clear his own name so they are trying to sort of level it off and, and put you in the same position as the people that you're battering, but there is still this uh, this element of like urban paranoia, um, which is another way of you know it's a euphemistic way of saying racism. You know, racism, yeah, like fear of the poor, fear of the black. Um, that th- those are your enemies, in effect, in Condemned. They've been driven crazy by some sort of science fiction uh, MacGuffin, but you could easily take that out because it doesn't get much of a, a mention in the first game. Um, they're just kind of crazy drug addicts and homeless people. So I think that we can all agree that there's a sort of element of you know it being troublesome. But uh, did it bother you that much why you were playing? Patrick, you said it didn't, because maybe it doesn't seem as malicious as, as maybe... Uh, maybe in practice it doesn't seem as malicious as when you talk it out. Well, I think that's definitely part of it. I also think there's an element to this of... They, they address those issues in other ways, like with just the incredible sort of knockdown, drag out nature of the, the combat in this game is really uncomfortable to play through. And like it's it's the sort of game where you come to dread interactions with enemies, not because it's like it's it's built as a horror. I don't think it's particularly scary after the first 10 minutes or so and you kind of figure out what's going on. But you, you dread these encounters just because they're so... Not only are they brutal to watch and experience, but also the, the chance of you just getting totally messed up are pretty significant. Um, so it sort of warns you off of that way of the, the Batman way of looking at the world where you're just a rich white guy going around beating up poor people. Because unlike Batman, you don't really have a significant advantage. Um, you lose your gun in the very first episode. It actually gets taken from you. Um, by this, the one of the serial killers you're chasing, and then you don't ever really acquire that flagrant a symbol of of power. Uh, you can find guns later, but they always have just a couple of bullets in them, and you can't ever find more ammo. So, um, best case scenario, you're going to get a couple of shots off, and you have to run away and try and find a weapon from someone else that you've killed. Um, so that's what I really liked about it. Is it's very it's very tense, and it's it's tense and more than just like a, a shitty thriller movie would be tense. And it's, it's, it's implications are pretty sig- significant as well. Mm. Reed, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think Patrick gets it right with, with that kind of stuff. It's, um, it, some, some of the just sort of tone of it is a, is a bit frightening, uh, in terms of, I was just thinking about how effective it is as a horror game. 
but like you know it has that ambient kind of <laughs> trying to think of how to discuss this like or how to how to put this to words like it's in every horror thing it's like that ambient like whooshing noise it just mm-hmm. like sounds like wind from far off um but i think patrick gets it right with saying that it's more than anything else it's just really tense because if the enemies get a, the drop on the character that you're playing ethan if they get the drop on him then they can kill him in two hits um and so you're kind of walking around these places and you'll hear stuff falling over in the distance and you mm-hmm. you might see someone kind of run by as a shadow and yeah you see them skitter by and it's quite unsettling yeah, and it's just, you know, if, if I think if the game was different, if it was a shooter or something, then whatever. It would be kind of a, a neat little way of positioning the enemies, but it wouldn't be like this game where you know that if you don't know where they are at all times, then they can they can kill you. Um, but I guess, like, the original thing was Ed was asking about, like, uh, you know, the, the implications of them being drug addicts and homeless people and, you know, generally people with inner city, people with, uh, with of a lower class and everything. And I think it's true what Patrick said, too, that you don't... I think I, I noticed it a lot for the first little while, but it becomes less obvious as it's going on because, again, stealing everything from Patrick, it's just you feel on the same level as the enemies for most of this game. It doesn't feel like they're you know, way more powerful and vicious than you, and it doesn't feel like you are more powerful or capable than them. It's just everyone is in these places just out to kill each other. Mm. Uh, so it kind of, it does lose that, you know, implied power and balance that you get in a lot of action games and shooters. Well, I think, Patrick, you, you hit it on the head when you said that this is a game where you are apprehensive about getting into a fight. You know, you, you know that they're coming, but you don't, uh, anticipate you don't look forward to them whereas in so many games about violence you know the the violence is what you look forward to it's why you've bought the game basically um right and condemned condemned does turn that on its head and i think that that is one of the things that i like the most about it because i've always felt that well i, I think that a lot of us have felt that the problem with violence in games is that it, it's made into something that you um that you really crave you know that you that you want I mean, there are plenty of examples of, of movies that I love because they're so violent and I love watching, you know, gunfights and bloodshed and whatever. But even the, the quote-unquote sort of moralistic games, the ones that have, you know, trace elements of real-world politics or, or point-making or whatever, um, they still make shooting and, and fighting into something that's outright enjoyable. Um, and Condemned is, is definitely not that. It's uh, it's a game where, where combat is, is something that you do... Rather not be involved in really, um, and it's it is it's, it's definitely true that that as as Reed as you said, uh, it dilutes that that imbalance of power. It, it does feel less like uh, sort of kicking down as you play um, condemned. There was another point that I was going to make, and it's completely slipped my mind, which is a well, shame because I think it was worthwhile. Well, I was going to say the one thing too, I guess, to cap off that idea of the enemies uh you know the the implications of the game being kind of diluted or or not not as powerful as it could be because of how the combat is designed the other thing too is that as the game goes on um <laughs> and it's really bizarre because it keeps referring to you know they're saying there there's a lot of drug addicts and homeless people in in this library you know so be mm. careful when you go there they've taken over 
Um, but then you go, and then <laughs> as the game goes on, it doesn't mention why this would be the case, but all of a sudden, a lot of the enemies who are presumably just people uh, start mm-hmm. to look like you know, kind of like Clive Barker monsters. Like they, yeah, they like mm-hmm. they crawl around on all fours, yeah, and... which is like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I get that they wanted to, you know, introduce some variety in how they look and behave, but they're supposedly just people. But they're also mm. like some of them have these like red scar things on them, and I, I don't know. It's well, and I, so then I they're not always... like people anymore. I always judged it as a, uh, a sort of fallible narrator, you know, subjective perception thing that mm-hmm. this isn't how these people actually look and behaving, but our, our character is sort of so paranoid and scared of them or, you know, maybe being influenced by, you know, this this kind of implied supernatural element that's in Condemned Criminal Origins that this is how he's sort of seeing them now. Um, I might be wrong. I, I certainly remember that in the closing cutscene of condemned criminal origins he goes to the the bathroom of like a restaurant and he looks in the mirror and he's like you know he's got this monstrous face and that's the sort of closing stinger as he goes and he's he's a monster now so there's that you know the the, the game ends on this kind of implied uh him seeing things differently to how they are because obviously in the second game he's he's not a monster he's still a person but he he sees himself in a certain way um so that's how i've always interpreted the uh the more kind of animalistic, like monstrous enemies, and the more nakedly one, nakedly so. I guess that's that's fair. It's a bit, yeah, it might be a bit charitable, but it's it, I think it, it, it's definitely it's, valid. It's definitely, I think it is charitable. I think it's a little bit generous. Uh, I think that it's more. Um, they wanted monsters, but they also wanted people. Right. Know? I I think that it's it's really torn between those two things, and the Which, enemies kind of end up neither. Uh, and I think again that that recalls this notion of a you know odd choice of of enemies using homeless people etc for these exact reasons but i don't yeah. know i i think there's a lot of gamisms that they had to bow to um in terms of enemy design and placement and interactions and i think that there is there's always going to be with with games like this there's always going to be a little bit of like Huh, that's an odd choice, but mm-hmm. well, on that topic, I think that the other thing that is notable about combat and about the enemies in um, Condemned is the comparative sparseness. You know, in even in horror games, especially now in a game like Dead Space, uh, enemies are on mass. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in a game like in a game like Fear, which was before Condemned? Uh, I believe it was right before, yeah. 2004, I think, Fear maybe, was. Maybe, yeah, maybe a year before. So even in Fear, which is which is also a, a horror game by Monolith, there's a lot of enemies. Whereas in Condemned, there there's a low enemy count. It's uh, Compared to other games of its ilk, you know, the implication mm-hmm. here is not masses of enemies are dangerous, it's one single enemy is dangerous and you'll, you'll fight them uh, occasionally. And I find that so refreshing like i think that's just how it should be mm-hmm. um you know that's that's kind of like a few a few running steps away from you know violence in games as i kind of imagine it in like a utopia sense you know all we need now is for the enemies to like have names <laughs> and have like a sort of credible bit of dialogue and 
and life outside of just being a, an enemy, you know, in the generic sense, and, and we're pretty much there. Well, Ed, um, have you played Monolith Software's Lord of Rings? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're brushing up against it, right? Yeah, it's you actually know, they, that I am joking because I, I don't like that game very much, but I think it's actually when you were saying that, it makes me think a little bit of maybe they're, you know, poking their poking around trying to figure out how to do that kind of thing yeah i think they are i think that they've they've been poking at it for they, I, the monolith like we again patrick and i were talking about this before we start recording and we we sort of agreed that they've been consistently decent you know forever basically you know blood mm-hmm. was was a really solid game and blood as well i mean actually just to just to sort of labor this point if you think of blood as a game akin to you know duke nukem uh 3d and and doom they have similar similar aesthetics. The enemy count in Blood is quite low, you know, compared to those yeah, games. Yeah, true. Um, and then you've got something like No One Lives Forever, which is really sort of playing with um, like gender politics and you know the the masculine power fantasy that comes through in so many shooter games. You've got something like Condemned, and then you've got something like uh, what's it called again? Sorry, the Lord of the Rings game, Shadow of Mordor, Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, Shadows of Mordor. Shadows Mordor, of Mordor is involved. It's either so they, very shallow or very shady. I'm not sure. They've which. consistently been, you know, testing the waters of like a, a sort of better way of doing violence and of doing yeah. you know, shooting and fighting games. And I think they've never quite, they've never quite sort of, you know, batted a six and, and got all of these elements into one game. But I, I'm, ugh, they're like just this close. Well, it's interesting, right? Because we've we've done fear, we've done blood, now we're doing this, yep. and. I think a lot of the criteria for when we're trying to pick a game is, well, what's a game that there's lots of interesting stuff about it, you know, one that isn't perfect or, or terrible, uh, but mm-hmm. is trying to do different things. And it's interesting that we've, like, you know, uh, only been doing this for about a year and have almost exhausted the Monolith catalog, you know. Yeah. To, so, and I think that's testament. Yeah, they, I, I guess they are our most our most represented studio. Yeah, which, and I would, I would... I wouldn't think right away that, you know, Monolith, there's a studio that I'm really interested in their work, but they have done a lot of stuff that's very, uh, like Condemned, a lot of it feels... quietly experimental, is what we'll say. Yeah, Um, and Condemned feels like, you know, if if they had made this game now in 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 an industry where it's easier to maybe release something that's uh, a little bit smaller in scope, uh, that you can just put up as a downloadable instead of it having to be, you know, on store shelves with a big marketing budget. You could see Condemned being something uh, that kind of takes its best points further. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that that was maybe a little bit shorter, uh, was more focused on investigation and just kind of exploring these places and mm-hmm. very occasionally fighting. Um, I know yeah. we'll we'll get into this later, but I will say just because you brought it up, I do wish. The game did more with the whole investigation thing because I like, I like the idea that they are leaning into the fact that your character is is a police officer but is not like a beat cop. You're not a, like a cop in the way that cops in video games tend to be soldiers. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you're a crime scene investigator who loses his pistol on his f- first assignment in the in the game, um, 
and then you basically are just kind of barely keeping one step ahead of all these people who are chasing you, both criminals and the police who think that you are guilty of whatever. Um, and they introduce, I think you investigate basically is like the first thing you do in that game. Um, you're, cause you're investigating that murder scene and it's really yeah. cool the way that they frame it. And then they just sort of tuck it away almost immediately. See, I, I think that, um, there's a few games now that have tried to do investigation mechanics and condemned is one of them murdered soul suspect, which that's kind of that whole game. Right. Oh my God. It's such a good game. Oh, I really like Murder Soul Suspect, but that that tries to do investigation and stuff. L.A. Noir, another one of my favorite games, tries to do it as well. Um, <laughs> the Arkham, um, mate. Arkham, yeah, like the Arkham games. Now that's that, that's a fantastic example. Yeah, the Arkham games, totally. And uh, Battlefield from, Hardline has great. Yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah. Battlefield Hardline has it as well, uh, and I don't think any of them have, have got it right because you you're never investigating. As such, you just have to. It's like a point and click game where you just have to kind of look at the right thing. Yeah, and collect and the take clues. A right. And collect the clues, and then you get these like these really obnoxious. Uh, Condemned is actually quite subdued. Condemned, you know, you, you you send the thing off to your lab tech, and she comes back with a result, and she sort of says, "Oh well, you know, based on the clues you found, X Y Z." In most games, the investigative stuff, you get this really obnoxious like H U D. You know, kind of like a minority report style uh, screen, and you're kind of like matching clues together. Like if you play Murdered Souls, yeah, it does this all the time. Um, and it's it's very very uh, sort of brazen and a little. It's, it's too much. It's like overall. Um, so the investigation stuff, I think I like it in Condemned for the reason that I mentioned earlier, and, and Patrick, as you pointed out just now, you know they open the game with an investigation scene and I like it because of the way it frames the subsequent violence but I don't I don't think anyone's ever done investigation right because they never sort of allow you to use your brain it's always very rigid that's yeah I think that's the reason is because investigation is not just about finding all the easter eggs it's what you do with those easter eggs once you found them and in actual I mean I've never been a detective obviously but <laughs> yeah, really. I would wager that in in actual police investigations you don't know when you find you know the the single shoe with the the broken lace that this is going to be a really important piece that you'll need later yeah um, it's a lot slower and more cerebral and much more trial and error than just like all right well we have found three of five capital letters pieces of evidence mm-hmm. so we're we're 60 percent done with investigating this case which is yeah. obviously ridiculous let's yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about saying that if if you did this game sort of uh, on, on a smaller scale and you weren't trying to, I think this game must have been a bit of a. You know, I'm, I'm not some industry expert, whatever, but it must have been uh, some kind of risk to say we're going to put out this game where you're barely shooting, you're having these short little fist fights, and you know, uh, doing all of that. But it it looks like when you start that it's probably going to be a shooter. Um, mm. but mm-hmm. I can see this again this game in a, in a different climate sort of making that investigation part sort of more than just a it's sort of like a almost like Half-Life narrative tiles, uh, style thing where you're just picking up the different pieces so the game can keep explaining what the plot is right mm-hmm. um, and it, it's not bad I, I don't hate it I think it it gives the game more of a unique feel that you're actually 
you know, looking at the environments and trying to do something other than just punch your way to the other end. Yeah, um, it also doesn't ever forget that you are at least ostensibly a police officer, and that yeah, this is how you interact with the world because you're a cop. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's not him grabbing someone and slamming them against a locker and saying, "Where is so and so?" It's you know, he's following a trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's what I like about it. I like it as this. Um, yeah, it's not just like a framing device for the violence, but it's also a kind of. Um, pace setter, you know, you, you are encouraged to kind of take condemned quite slowly uh, and the investigations encourage that because you're picking through scenes and then the fights, you know, you, you have to take them slowly and quite methodically and, you know, forensically, if I hit this guy in the leg, that gives me a second to hit this guy in the face and then mm-hmm. return to this to this second guy um, so I think that they do a great job of sort of framing the combat using the investigation sequences and vice versa Um and I, I don't think it's kind of on them necessarily to uh, to nail investigation mechanics right. because I, I, I don't think that, that this game is really as much about you know um, playing detective as anything else. I think that that's it's kind of a it's no, a it's a it's a thriller. Yeah, it's a it's it is a it is a thriller. It's not a procedural, um, and uh, it, it's the better for it. Um, well, and it's so. I mean, just really quickly. I mean, so much of this game where it kind of succeeds almost. It succeeds, you know, greatly at some things, and then almost nails other things, and it's kind of disjointed in a lot of ways. And I think it's really tempting, especially because it came out quite a while ago when when uh, people were expecting different things from video games. It's really tempting when you're playing it to think of what it could have been in a, in mm. a different way. You know, so you can right. look at things like those detective mechanics, and uh, you can say, "Oh, I wish that was a bit more." You know, and it's it's the same thing with uh, how how they treat the enemies, and, and you think, "Oh, well, I wish you would have kind of dug into this a bit more and um, kind of explained it in a way that you know, because as it is, it just feels kind of bad." But mm. There's a lot of stuff in this game that feels like it's almost there, and it could have been something a lot greater. Mm. I yeah, I don't disagree. I think the writing is a uh, pretty much a mess. You know, I think the the plot is um, quite all over the place. The, the ending level in particular, I can be loving elements of it, and then really disliking other parts of it. I think it's got a kind of satisfying, unsatisfying uh, conclusion. Um, and yeah, the the overarching plot could be so simple it could just be you know you need to find this killer whilst evading your former colleagues um but they throw in all of this stuff about you know oh, the worst. parents and past and mythology and yeah it's it's overall and i would say the same actually for a game like fear um they do the same there and they they overcomplicate that but um i think it's important to like you were saying Reed to remember you know this was this was 2005 and I, I kind of cast my mind back to 2005 and I think of other games that are out of the time uh, or, or near to the time so in terms of shooters I mean God, what was that in 2005 I think Halo 2 had just come out like in Halo- I think 04 okay so you got Halo 2 you had something like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas <laughs> uh, I think 2005 might have been Call of Duty 2 yeah. Uh, so it's. I think three. I think three was two thousand and six. 
It's um, it's really that feels, you know, in games where so much, so many of the, the design trends move so quickly that feels like ancient history. It's true, yeah, right? To it think does. of like Halo Two being, a, or, or Call of Duty Two being the big, you know, examples of of what uh, shooters are doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's. I think that Condemned still seems like an anomaly now, you know, like something that is is very, very different. It's a, a kind of a rarity. And like you said, Reed, you know, you you have to imagine the uh, various sort of unanswered questions on the finance side here, you know, how many sort of things they were just leaving up to risk. Uh, you know, there's not that many guns. There's not that many enemies. It is quite a slow game. And normally that kind of stuff would just be like stamped out. And they'd make it faster, and they put more enemies in, and they put more guns in. But condemned seem to sort of jump through all of these like meat mashing machines and get out the door. Pretty much, uh, you get the sense of intact. Um, well, so I think it's a it, it's an interesting fucking like I don't know how it got made kind of game. Yeah, I guess you you didn't have to have several hundred people. Uh, well, well, yeah, there is that element of it too. Maybe that is that is definitely a part of it. I think that that's that is something that's actually um, it's a weird kind of benefit to Condemned. I think that Condemned is it certainly looks like quite a cheap game. Uh, the the character models are quite sort of unwieldy, and like Fear actually, which I think is is quite uh, sort of it, it, you know it reads as quite low budget, um, but in Condemned it's to the games benefit because it's as we talked about at the start you know it's quite a sort of lo-fi grungy mm-hmm. aesthetic anyway um it's got that kind of like tobe hooper fucking texas chainsaw just you know grubbiness and and like, ad hocness to it yeah um that's actually a really good point because i think if you went even lower five with a game like this it would be uh could be far more frightening yeah and it would still work. it would be almost like a snuff film yeah, well, yeah, because at a certain yeah. point, and also the thing—it's one of the things I always think about with horror—is you know the the game that just annihilated me when I was younger was Silent Hill One, and I think about uh-huh. scenes in that, and a lot of it was because you know it's PlayStation One, uh, very blocky, uh, muddy, foggy, <laughs> foggy uh, textures, mm-hmm. but so much of it was just. You know, it's that horror truism. What you don't see is more frightening than anything they can show you. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. In horror, it's it's one of the genres in games where uh, you really can lean into that aesthetic if you want to, going further back and lower fi. And well, I think I think that um, often it's the case that money sort of murders horror. Um, oh sure, yeah. You know that the, the, some of the the best horror films are some of the cheapest ones. Yeah, the the pinnacle example being the Blair Witch Project, right. which you know in, in in film terms costs like pennies, um, but is a, a fantastic well even movie. Uh, I mean, aside from creative fatigue, look what happened to you know Paranormal Activity or Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, right? Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, exactly. And look what happened to Dead Space. I mean, I mean, obviously when that began, it was a it was still a triple A production, right? You know, it's still a, a very well moneyed production, the first one. But the more successful it got, you know, the the sort of limp of the horror became. Um, well, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I think, think there's that, only so far you can go with that before you're just yeah. I don't know, telling a bad a bad thriller story. I think horror can be given sort of too much money to spend, and the monolith as a not quite triple A, maybe maybe now, but certainly back then as a sort of double A, if you like, company. Um, it's perhaps better. That's the kind of studio that's better suited to to horror, perhaps than you know, something huge like you know, like uh, what they call frictional. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did Amnesia? Yeah, and Red Red Barrels and stuff like, or even like Creative Assembly, who did Alien Isolation. Are smaller studios, so having to kind of really, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, interesting. It's creative Assembly. They should make more yeah. first-person games. They totally should. They they, they did a good. I only know them from the Total War games. I know, yeah, it was a weird sort of tangential step, like, oh, yeah, with Total War, Total War, Total War, Alien, yeah. Total War, Total War, Total War. Um, anyway, before we uh, close off on Condemned, I think that there's, there is one point that we do need to discuss, because obviously this is a game, uh, excuse me, this is a podcast about shooting games. Um, Patrick, you intoned earlier on that when you find a gun in Condemned, it doesn't contain many bullets, you maybe get three or four shots. Uh, and then mm-hmm. you have to throw the gun away and find a replacement. So, um, with that comment as a jump off, Reed, what do you make of the act of shooting in Condemned? How does that kind of compare to other games, especially of its time? I don't know. It's good. It's uh, it's good in the in the not good sense, right? That we've talked mm. about before. But yeah, like Patrick said, I I, I love how you, you pick up a shotgun that has four shells in it. You know, and you enter a room, and if there are three guys in it, you have to, or you know, it has four shells, and there's six guys in the room. And you have to very quickly do uh, the calculation of <clears throat> how you're going to approach the situation, um, because once it's empty, you can kind of pistol whip people, but it's not as good as having a fuck. I sometimes the shit we talk about on this show is really. <laughs> upsetting to me. Think about, oh yeah, once you get the four shots off, then you got to pistol whip the guys, but it's not as good as if you have a fire axe or a, <laughs> you know, smack them with a, a lead pipe or like a two by four with some rusty nails hanging out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the shooting is good because it's it's not a long term solution. You pick up a gun, you have to figure out uh, if it's advantageous to use it uh, compared to mm-hmm. some of the other things you have, and when the enemies have guns. One of the good things about this is that the guns have power in that game. If, if an enemy is on the other side of the room shooting at you, uh, you feel it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. You have to, you know, you, you are very aware that being out in the open will, will get you killed, or even just, you know, being winged by two of them will, will kill the player character. Uh, I would say that the, the flip side of that is the guns being as limited and both in appearance and of utility as they are does a really good job of highlighting the brutality of the rest of the combat because mm-hmm. um, it's a very heavy weighty game like you're slugging it out um, and you typically only really fight one or two people at a time but that is even that can feel overwhelming and then when you, you go from you know beating a guy in the face with a sledgehammer three or four times to get him to, to die you pick up a gun like a pistol even just a pistol and you shoot someone in the face and they just slump to the ground dead it's really jarring mm, to just yeah. to just murder so quickly after everything else yeah that's that's totally yeah i mean that's that's what i was trying to 
pick at is uh, you know this is this is a game where guns are like frightening you know uh, guns are guns are powerful whether they're being used by you or against you they are you know they're, they're really uh, so what I'm looking for intimidating um, yeah they are and again that's that's not something that you can say for a lot of video games you know guns in in games are like the most pedestrian objects you know there are, there are games where you are just that gun you can't yeah. put a gun down um, they're they're not like a, an external object they're more or less an extension of your body and condemned is is the uh, total opposite of that you know uh, a, a single bullet in that game like Patrick said it, it just drops someone straight away and it's it is it makes you go fuck like you sort of stop and you you kind of want to press a button that makes mm-hmm. you kind of like look at the gun in your hand and go Jesus you know yeah seriously um, yeah which I again that's another thing that I I just admire about it so much I think that the, the the treatment of violence in this game the way that it's framed before you even do it and it's heavy like Patrick said and the way that guns are such a kind of uh such a force is is notable um, for 2005 and for now. Yeah, it's yeah, it all it ties together well. It's uh, the shooting is as is weighty, uh, especially because you don't have many bullets. When you miss a shot, too, in that game, in this game, you feel it. You know, you have to look down at you, how many bullets you have by pressing a button, and uh, yeah. you know, you'll you'll pick up a shotgun that has two shells in it or a pistol that has four shots in it so if you miss one when there are a lot of enemies later on they start putting if I'm remembering right they start putting a lot more enemies in the in the rooms and if mm-hmm. you uh, if you kind of fuck up your plan if you waste a shot uh, it's frightening you know you realize yeah. you've wasted something because uh, you're not just going to run over and run over some ammo and there you go I forget do you get an assault rifle. Yeah, right at the end. You get a submachine right gun. At the end. Right at the end. Yeah, and it's. I can remember that feeling like, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, I've got a fucking power of God. Yeah, the whole ending. <laughs> it's. I don't even hate that so much, but the whole ending is such a. Such a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. It throws out a lot of a what's mess. good in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, vis- visually it's a mess, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, they always have a lot of enemies too, but at the end they start throwing these guys at you who are, you know, you have to fight them one-on-one for a really long time, which would be fine if the entire game was like that, but all of a sudden it feels like the enemy is is some sort of artificial, you know, robot monster compared to isn't what there came a room, before. Isn't there a part in the, towards the climax of the game where the enemies respawn? I forget. I um I feel like I, I feel like in the house that. in the house at the end of the game you kind of go out of the room and come back in and there's an enemy and you go out and you come again and there's an enemy and this room just keeps kind of being like repopulated Yeah that's a Boy. And you're in the middle of nowhere as well you know you're in the middle of like some farm Well you've just you've been exploring to... this house in the middle of nowhere yeah. for about 20 minutes and I think there's one enemy that you come across yeah. in the house and all of a sudden they're just like pouring out the ceiling they're like and raining I, which is just the antithesis it's, uh, of raining men it's raining, <laughs> it's right. raining men and condemned and it's just the antithesis of everything that the game has been about until then mm-hmm. um, that's sort of what I meant when I, when I said that the game sort of feels like it 
has to make concessions to its own gameness a lot. Yeah. Um, you're sort of like, all right, it's the end of the game. It's our quote unquote climax. So we gotta, we gotta do something bigger or more, more, or even just different. Um, when I think in reality, a much more understated resolution would have been way more ent- entertaining and interesting. Well, you know, the, the second game, which I, I doubt we'll ever really discuss uh, on its own because it, kind of uh, prompts the same discussions as the first one but the second game is is just that problem uh, you know multiplied a thousand times because the concession to, to quote unquote gaminess there is you know we can't just have these big guys in a city anymore they've got to be of a mystical cult and this is you know yeah, like conspiracies to, yeah it gets to be like Illuminati shit and we're going to resurrect some old god and it the only- ends with like the only good suitable point of escalation in the second game, if if you're thinking how do you how do you make it sort of more uh, of brutal fighting, is you fight a bear at one point, <laughs> which is a fucking great. Do you actually level. fight it or do you just run away from it? You you run away from it. I think you do eventually kill it. As I remember, it it kind of pursues you into a corridor that yeah, it's like in a house. More yeah, I think the doesn't the corridor get like narrower as it goes on, and you can sort of slip through. Oh and yeah, there gets stuck, and you just like can shoot it in the head. Oh, that's not oh, what I want. Though. I want you to beautiful. It's punch a really the bear in the face, and the bear punches you. And <laughs> you <know>. Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, it takes place a long time ago. Um, yeah, I mean bits like that are, you know, a one in Condemned Two, but it, it ends with you fighting on this kind of like secondary plane of existence yeah. between dimensions to stop the activation of some science fiction machine that's going to bring back an old god and you just wonder how you got from investigating this crime scene yeah. in the back alley at the start of the first game to this fucking like Gordon Freeman Citadel shit at the end of the second one well um, I was going to say is I, I think you know I was saying before about the kind of concessions I think this game makes and I think a lot of it is you know the the idea that uh, this game had to be had to be a series um, that it couldn't have right because like both of you have said that you could have had a fine game if it was just sort of a, you're tracking the serial killer at the end you find the serial killer that gives you a yeah. choice whether or not to kill him I think maybe well, the choice is kind of okay maybe but if you had stripped out all the supernatural shit that doesn't really lend anything to it and it just ended with the fact that you you know decide whether or not to kill this man who's been killing everyone extra judiciously and there's the point you know or yeah. it's it's a it's a rote it would be a rote story but it would also just be you know this guy's trying to stop people from killing people like how many people he kills right yeah there man yeah this it, is the monster that would be <laughs> a bit more chill and contained and i think it'd be more yeah, impactful I think can, right it's certainly in yeah. In the game's defense, um, one of the, we'll call it game concessions, I don't really mind as much, is when you're told that you have essentially these special powers that effectively amount to... to, Well, it amounts to you basically having... They they call it instinct or something (laughs) stupid like that. Um, And basically what it does is it makes your screen flash or something when... uh, you can investigate when there are clues nearby that you can investigate, so you know to pull out your your tools or whatever. Yeah, I was with you, Reed, at first. I was like, this is really dumb. And then the more I thought about it, I was kind of like, eh, I mean, 
this is their solution to how you just randomly know you're supposed to yeah. start collecting clues. Other the, the, the other option they would have had would have just been to have like a pop-up on the screen that says, all right, it's time to solve some crime, which they actually also do that. But um, they at least attempted to sort of kind of make it make sense. And you can tell that it's definitely a lampshade that they're plopping down on it, but it mm. works. It, I'm, I'm, I don't think it is the most egregious part of the game. I was going to say that's definitely the least, uh, the least kind of objectionable, uh, extra normal paranormal things that happen in the game. You know, mm, if it yeah. was just that on its own then whatever, I, I would just think, I guess. Yeah. It's silly in the same sense of like, I, I have a personal, vendetta against like batman uh detective vision and like laura croft now has like survivor vision and it's just no. like it's just like come on like just i don't know i liked in the last of us how you just you ping a thing and it's the idea is you're getting a visual notification that this character is listening closely you know and and that's all the explanation you need i think in this game you know it could have just been like oh dude's like checking things out he's he's curious about this area Mm. But like, yeah. whatever. Because you're an investigator. That's your job. That's right. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I think we're agreed that Condemned is a is one of those games that. I you know what I was going to say is you know it's, it's a game that's not brilliant, but I, I I belie anyone to not enjoy playing it. You know I think it's a it's a scary enough game. If I fuck, that's something we've not talked about. Um, for the last kind of few minutes before we do this roundup. Did it scare either of you? Yes. Patrick, you I mean, like, armors. scared. Not, not, not on nerve, like, the, the, frightened. The, the preface to this is I'm a huge chicken baby when it comes to anything even remotely scary. Um, but I will say that while I, I found the first few minutes when you're kind of crawling through the initial crime scene, I found that to be very unsettling, but that went away almost instantly as soon as you figured out that what you're dealing with are drug addicts and you're chasing a serial killer and that's all very mundane. And then of course games get into a sort of a cadence of story part, investigation part, mechanics part. We talked about this with Fear actually, which I think is interesting because it's yeah. the same studio. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Read. Um, I the first time I played this game it scared the bejesus out of me until until the last few minutes. I, I was mm-hmm. You know, it, it was one of those games that was sort of like um, first amnesia as well. Really mm. got under my skin. A game to which this day I can still only play like twenty minutes of. Yeah, that game's a uh, that game's a rough a rough one on the old noggin. Um, but this game, yeah, when I first played it, scared the hell out of me. And this time, I don't know if it's because when I first played it, I wasn't playing a ton of games. Really, I was just sort of mm. picking up the odd thing here and there. Um, but yeah, you kind of you see the seams, and I don't know if that's just video games are a bit too predictable in form a lot of time, or if it's I don't know. But there's a lot of clever stuff. There are moments in this game that if you play with you know headphones and in the dark, and you really let yourself kind of sink into it, uh, there are things like that department store where you're not sure if a mannequin Brilliant. is a person because the the enemies, you know these crazy homeless people have decided i guess to wear mannequin masks um yeah but but things like that where it becomes less predictable uh you're not sure 
You know, I remember walking into a few of the rooms and you beat up a bunch of mannequins because you just want to make sure that one doesn't jump out at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the dead space thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and stuff like when you see, like I was saying before, like when you see someone kind of run behind a pillar in the distance and mm. you hear crashing from further away in the level. I think that stuff is all really genuinely unnerving. Um, so yeah, when I played this time, maybe it's just because I, I knew more of what to expect and everything, but uh, it didn't freak me out much, but I don't know. I think this game has the potential to really... <laughs> if you're in the right space for it, I think it could really uh, bug you out. The f- first time I ever played it was when I downloaded the demo on my Xbox 360 back around the time it came out mm-hmm. a couple of years later, and I couldn't even finish the demo. I was like, nah, I'm good. See, that's what I mean. It's like when I played it, like, oh, do you mean like it scared you or you just didn't like Yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't get through it. It was too yeah intimidating. Like, yeah, it was that kind of game for me when I when I first played it. Is I played, you know, a bit of level a night and earlier in the night, so I could just kind of do other things and not have it stuck in my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, the clock, right? Yeah. See, I I think it descends into a, not descends, but I think it gets into a rhythm too quickly. Condemned. I think that the enemies and where they're going to come from and you know how they're going to attack you gets a little bit too rhythmic too quickly um, and i don't think this is a fault of the game itself i think this is a fault of games in general i think the first time you see a weird sort of emaciated homeless drug addict running at you waving around a piece of rebar it's genuinely unsettling but you you see the same sort of interactions and even animations and sounds recycled dozens of times and it starts to lose its bite and again i don't think that there's anything that they could have necessarily done differently to prevent that. I think it's just a a, uh, a hazard of the of the form. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't have this to is... be, right? Like, I, I mean, I I think I know what you're saying, Patrick. But I also I always think that if a game does something that every game does, it doesn't excuse it. Sure. Like, yeah. And that's part of what I meant by if you put, I would love to see this game if they had made it now, and it was something they could just put out for twenty dollars and it could be three or four hours long you know to really condense everything mm-hmm. and and do that kind of stuff so it doesn't wear out its best tricks i'll say i think that it, it struggles from uh having and it's the same with most horror games is that they struggle from having to be scary all the time um and so they quickly do use up their you know you, you can only have like a limited amount of enemy types and animations and sounds and they use them up very very fast um because they're they're constantly having to be frightening, you know. It's like an action game. A shooter is always having to be filled with enemies to shoot. Platformers always got to have platforms. Um, and horror games have got to be kind of consistently doing something to scare you. Which, excuse me, is a is a shame. You know, that's a that's a limit of the form. That's like a an expectation that's been thrust onto these games, and I think Condemn suffers from it as well. But um, I also think that that department store level you mentioned, Reed, is is brilliant I think it's so the the sound the music in that level um, it's like an aesthetic kind of precursor to Five Nights at Freddy's which I adore this kind of Christmassy you know Muzak from a shopping centre but you know twisted and fucked up and um, it really really sticks in my mind even now and I also think that Condemned has one of the best jump scares <laughs> in games with the um, the Mr. Tibbet 
uh, moment. Do you remember the one I mean? Oh, Where yeah. The dead, the dead body in the locker, and you, you, you know, she says like, "Oh, you need to get a picture of his face," and you zoom in. Like you've done like, several times before. Like you've done so. It's like it's such a funny way to just fuck with, you know, to use the kind of player perspective against the player. I think and they you, only do it the one time too, right? They only, they only do it the one time. It's just it's like this great sort of party trick, and. Uh, yeah, and he, he jumps up as soon as you zoom right in. He goes, ah, and jumps up. Um, I really like that moment. And that so one's I, actually... I it, it, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think it, I think it can be a, a scary game, but yeah, it does. It It starts to... Uh, it repeats itself too quickly. I was going to say that, that uh, you know, I a lot of jump scares, it's like, yeah, great. That's cool if you can do it, but it's, you know, I think rightly thought of as kind of a cheap trick because it's... Yeah, it's the worst kind of horror, really. Yeah, it's it's me going up behind a friend, yelling "boo" into their ear. You know, like. Um, yeah. But that one also feels kind of earned too, because when you look at what the game is trying to do to freak you out, here's a body that you're getting up close to that's already kind of gross, mm. that you assume is a corpse, and the dude isn't trying to scare you. He's like gasping because he's, you know, he's trying to communicate he's still alive, but which is yeah. awful. You know, so you, you get the fun jump scare, but it's also you have to stay with this scene and you have to hang out with this guy who is horribly mutilated and you know enough to look like a corpse as he dies. And they've, in a way, you know, they they build up to it for the whole game until that point because, like you said, Reed, you know, you've been taking pictures, yeah, uh, like with this camera, sticking your face right up next to these corpses, right? Yeah, and then finally one of them kind of sticks his face back up against your camera. Um. So, in conclusion, condemned. Good game. Hey, I just thought of one thing. Hmm. I don't, this is uh, this is what we call uh, this is like freestyle game criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when uh, mm-hmm. it's like a, a battle game criticism. Um, mm-hmm. bus- busking it. Where yeah, I'm yeah. going to throw you guys the ingredients here, and you tell me if you can make a stew out of it, because I'm sure. <laughs> This sounds so fucking stupid, but um, the levels in the game are like an abandoned factory, uh, an abandoned department store where commerce has led to this horrifying place full of nothing. Christmas, which is the exemplar of, you know, consumer holidays. Uh, A school that's run down, uh, completely destroyed, so education has gone to shit. A library that's in disuse. Where's the other levels? Abandoned subway. Okay, yeah, that one kind of sucks. Well, I guess. But then, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You could you could uh, you could reach your arm out really far and say that you know public transit is infrastructure for for the proletariat. Um, but yeah. I, I was thinking of you know this is like what you do when you, you don't quite have the idea, you don't know how it fits, but the idea that maybe there's almost. Uh, a critique of, of something going on with the, uh, you know, you're an FBI agent beating uh, the lower classes to death, and you're exploring these decrepit versions of of public infrastructure and public support. Uh, there could be something in that, but I think that rather than it be a story about how uh, all of these public spaces and um, municipal services have been destroyed by the government. I 
think that Condemned is still in the same vein as you know the kind of Michael Winner Death Wish movies, uh, where you know it's the 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 monsters have taken over the city. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I still think that the, the game kind of hangs the destruction of all these spaces on the people who they were sort of gifted to by the man, and that it's you know the the, the proles are running wild, and you're going in there to curb them. I don't think the game ever sort of turns its you know, accusatory finger back towards the the government or or to Ethan. That's actually uh, probably the yeah. When you think about it, because each place is a place that the uh, the homeless and the drug addicts have taken over. You know, mm-hmm. the library and the schools are places where they the radio tells you they've taken over this place. Be careful. Yeah, I mean, but I think it 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 has something in common, uh, and maybe this you know warrants a discussion on its own um, but if you remember Manhunt all the places in that game are of a similar ilk you know it's like a uh, abandoned shopping mall right. a hospital there's a church uh, like the city zoo you know all of these kind of public funded uh, outlets and whatever have but are we fallen just being- into de- decrepitude are we just being critics about this? Yeah, because then where do you set these yeah. things? You know, I, I, well, exactly. That's that's exactly what I was about to come around because to. Because those are public spaces, right? That's where people hang yeah. in cities are public spaces. That, that's that's just the world. I thought you know, like I thought of not even bringing that up because I was like, uh, I don't know. But I was just thinking about these locations. I mean, I think it's definitely possible to make that interpretation. I just I would not guess that that was. An intended no, I don't think so either. Element. Well, I, if I was, what I would say is that it's, and this is probably the, the case in Manhunt as well, uh, is that more than any intention, it's actually um, a result of having watched David Fincher's Seven. Uh, you know, we said earlier on yeah. that the title sequence were condemned. I, I encourage people to go and watch the Seven title sequence and the condemned title sequence side by side because it's it's. A miracle it didn't get done for copywriting um, but David Fincher's Seven is set again in this kind of decrepit, rotten, anonymous American city where you know crime has, has overtaken everything and um, yeah you know the, the sort of urban sprawl has become a war zone mm-hmm. and I think that Condemned is probably more interested in copying a movie and you know inheriting some of its sort of uh, right. credibility yeah, yeah. than it's really thinking about what it's doing um, yeah you know. I think it's always worth you know, I, I I don't know if it's a good idea ever on this podcast no, I, where we're uh, trying to present coherent thoughts to be. <laughs> no, all, no, I think it's a good idea. No, I think I think it's valid. I think that there's you know even if it is just copying, there's something about that aesthetic. There is, yeah. there is something about you know the the sort of uh, urban decay which appeals to like horror makers, games, films all over. You know, I mean, Assault on Precinct Thirteen is is a horror well, film of the sort. I mean, I I, I don't want to get too deep down this rabbit hole but there is a sort of theory of horror that part of what makes things scary is you take something that's normal and you pervert it or you turn it on its head Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so when you have these spaces that we view as really everyday like a school or a shopping mall or places that you see thousands of times in your life and don't even really think about them when you're dropped back into that under a different context namely a context of people trying to murder you and etc it 
makes it more unsettling than if you were on like or a different type of unsettling I would say than if you were on an alien spaceship or just in an abstract sort well, of white box that's not meant to bear any sort of verisimilitude to the world around you exactly I mean that's where you have a ghost house you know, oh it's a nice house that's full of ghosts you know you've got um, films like the midnight meat train where she's trapped in the London underground and the London underground looks you know very different by night than it does by day um, that's that's that totally holds up. I also wonder, though, I mean, if, if I'm going to probably kick this ball into some very fucking dangerous long grass, but... Um, <laughs> There's snakes in the long grass. Patrick, you mentioned that, you know, one of the kind of fundamentals of horror is taking something known and making it unknowable. Right. Uh, I also think that part of horror is, Reed, you mentioned this in reference to Silent Hill, is, is something that you don't understand, you know, something that you don't know. And given that uh, you know, movies and games and whatever are usually products of a pretty wealthy kind of middle class system. Uh, it sort of makes sense to me that what they don't know, and what they don't understand, and what they fear is, you know, the, the urban centres of their cities, the the black and poor centres of their cities, um, and and where they've come from. And so those those things to them are kind of natural foundations for horror because they don't quite know what the people who live there get up to. And what they do and what they want, because um, I haven't experienced them firsthand. I would say you could make a point about that, as but it would have to be really general. You know, it's yeah. One of the problems I think with talking about the creative intentions of of games of trying to yeah, be that's, a, that's a quagmire because because games are presented to us as you know they, as a collaborative work and they are a collaborative work, right? That often doesn't have a strong you know even your director or your writer uh, are going to be compromising and taking input from others and so it's so hard mm. to I, I'm just always really hesitant to say this is the agenda I like to say this is what the the game says and I think the game yeah. maybe does say a little bit but I think it's a common uh, it's a it's a common thing about why uh, someone maybe from small, you know, prosperous town can come into a big city and turn down the wrong street and then feel very unnerved even if they're seeing nothing frightening. They're just seeing mm -hmm. squalor, you know, or mm -hmm. or not even squalor so much as just, you know, a, a lower level of uh, cleanliness and, and upkeep than they're used to. Um, yeah. I, I think that is always frightening in some sense and it's kind of what i was hinting at with maybe wondering if there was something to that with the the public spaces you know decaying and everything but mm. you know it's people are scared by that they're scared of what they don't interact with and what they're oh fuck man you could go on this for a long time right you could no i, th I think we will probably do an episode about this at some point I think in the future there there is a sense in condemning in manon of you know this is what your city could become right um this is this is what might happen. Da, 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 you know, be be fearful. Um, Isn't that some of the the Fincher Seven thing too? With it's oh totally. It's been yeah. a long time since I mean, I've watched it, but it's you know the biblical. You know, it's it's the sense that there's a cosmic horror happening with uh, cosmic horror. Sounds like Lovecraft. I'm talking like biblical. You know, you have betrayed God's commandments, and evil is coming. Yeah. To so I mean he's. He's killing people because they've, uh, you know, they've um, contradicted the Ten Commandments, and 
Uh, no, not the Ten Commandments. Of course not the fucking Ten Commandments. The film's called Seven. They've committed uh, one, one of the seven deadly sins. And, you know, you find out later that all of his victims are, you know, people like child molesters or fucking drug dealers or whatever. And the film sort of ends with him, uh, with, with the killer, Kevin Spacey, convincing the detective Brad Pitt to, to take vengeance and become wrath. You know, the implication being that everything is being slowly dragged down, you know, uh, even this like good looking Brad Pitt who was married to the good looking Gwyneth Paltrow has become this killer in the end um, so yeah that's that definitely runs through the through that Fincher movie uh, yeah I, I think that that is that is the one of the sort of implications of those environments and condemned it's you know if if you're not careful this is what's coming to get you it's that kind of reefer madness you know lock your doors uh, urban fear yeah, but except in Condemned, it's it's very generalized, right? It's not. It's very generalized. It's not. I don't think it's drugs, or it's not a drug. Yeah, it's also know, it's, literal reefer madness. It is literal reefer madness. Well, that's what Two happens. Drugs right? go crazy. You know. Yeah, that's what happens. I, you, I knew a guy smoke. who smoked weed once, and he lives in a in a spooky dark building. <laughs> and he, I knew a guy who did it once. He's gay now. What? Yeah, that, I've heard that happens too. <laughs> And he walks around Have you guys not ball. seen those those posters that I'm pretty sure are fake but are hilarious nonetheless? No. And they say just the that exact same thing. It's like the the washed out dingy picture of like the suburban youth sitting in a corner with his head between his legs and the it's that really aggressive like chalk style typeface font. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the poster just says I smoked weed once. I'm gay now. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's not, it's, that's I don't not think it's a real thing. I'm like seventy eight and a half percent sure that's not a real thing, but it it's the the attitude behind it is definitely real. The fact that you right. can't fully dismiss that stuff because some of the some of the Jesus, how do we end up in this territory? Yeah, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's curtail <laughs> on this. That I think bombshell. Yeah, on that bombshell, on the weed makes you gay bombshell. Uh, I think we can wrap up our discussion on condemned criminal origins. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we can all agree that it's uh, it's a good game. It's a game that that it's very thought provoking. Um, more than you perhaps think. It's not just a kind of horror shooter. It's a it's a bit of a think piece. And I think you can see that the people making it, not just from this game, but from the rest of their games, you know, they they think very carefully about this game. Um, yeah, especially especially in regards to violence, but maybe not so much in regards to. Uh, politics and you know social anxiety but let you decide so that's our first game for spooky spooky october our second game will be the aforementioned alien isolation uh by the aforementioned creative assembly and that will be on the 15th correct yes correct yeah that's correct and then and then we have well, I mean, we have uh, an episode which will obviously go up on the 1st of November. Now, is that going to be a spooky episode? I don't know. It comes out the... Maybe we could release it on Halloween itself, you know? Yeah, we bring I, think forward it. I think the spookiest thing about that episode is we don't know what it's going to be about. <laughs> <We don't... laughs> maybe, we should, maybe we should bring it forward a day and do it on Halloween itself and do a third scary game. I'm down. Um, Let's go get Patrick a yeah. PlayStation and a copy of The Order 1886. Oh, one day. It will happen. One day. I do have five hours lying around. That's that's right. 
what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say uh, is because we're not sure what game to do. If you're listening to this podcast and you follow us on Twitter, uh, oh, follow yeah. the podcast on Twitter at Bullet Points Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Most Sincerely Ed. Uh, read your at Read McCarter. That's right. And Patrick is at Han Freaking Solo. Uh, if oh, you I listen- thought I was at Read McCarter. <laughs> no, remember you're number two. At Read McCarter right, is number one. If you've listened to this, for my attempted coup. <laughs> <laughs> you'll read Makuta. <laughs> that's that sounds awful. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it does. That doesn't sound good at all, does it? Finish your interesting uh, point. If you've listened to this episode and you would like to suggest a third game for Spooky October, then please do get in touch with us uh, on Twitter or at contact at bulletpointsmonthly.com. Yeah, bulletpointsmonthly.com. Yeah. Contact at bulletpointsmonthly.com. And, uh, yeah, make your suggestions. If uh, we can get our hands on those games, then definitely. You know, I'd love to do something that, that the fans have put forward. You know, I'm all about the, I'm all about the fans, Reed. You know me. Yeah, that's right. You, you love your people. I love my You're people. You're gracious to your people. You cup your hand and swivel it back and forth. I do. I give them a little kind of royal wave as I go past the people. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for them. I'm down you with them. You are a champion of the gamer. I am a champion of the game, and that is very right, Patrick. I want that etched on my gravestone. That's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea if people want to do that. Um, yeah. That would be fun because otherwise the three of us will waffle about what we want to do for a long time. Probably end up doing fucking Doom or some shit. Um, well, we, did, we did talk about Doom 3, which I would be uh, open to. Oh, yeah. yeah but I, that's a game that I don't want to play that right now. Don't. No, it's an awful <laughs> fucking game. Yeah, if, you know what? By all means, put your games forward. But if you mention Doom Three, uh, that that vote goes in the incinerator. We we, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that's right. We yeah. have one of those, by the way. We have an incinerator. That's true. Yeah, that's where we put just like all the all the money that we don't need that we get for the show. <laughs> just burn it <laughs> to keep warm. Um. Well, that, anyway, until next time. That was truly. Go spooky. on, sorry, Reed. That was truly. That's truly spooky. spooky. Until next time, I've been Ed Smith. You've been... Reed McCarter. Yeah, remember, you're number one. Patrick, you've been... Number two. Thank you. And you can also uh, look at our writing on our still relatively fresh website, bulletpointsmonthly.com. We take a game, and over four weeks, we publish four different articles about it, one by myself, Reed, Patrick, and typically a freelance writer. Uh, Our first month was on Red Dead Redemption. Our second month has just concluded. That was on Deus Ex Mankind Divided. And in the coming weeks, we will be looking at another new game. We can't say what yet. It's a secret surprise. Uh, But by all means, go and check out the website and listen to the other episodes of this show at bulletpointspodcast.com Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.